Amen. I am your tomorrow. I am an unspoiled page in your book of time. I am your next chance at the art of living. I am your opportunity to practice what you've learned about life during your yesterdays. All that you sought and didn't find is hidden in me, waiting for you to search it, but with more determination. All the good that you tried for and didn't achieve is mine to grant when you have fewer conflicting desires. All that you dreamed but didn't dare do, all that you hoped but did not will, all the faith that you claimed but did not have, these slumber lightly, waiting to be awakened by the touch of a strong purpose. I am your opportunity to renew your allegiance to him who said, Behold, I make all things new. You see, life is full of lessons for us. We all have a past that's full of yesterdays. We all have things in our past, some that are good, some that we're proud of, or some that not so good, some that we'd rather forget about. But whether they are good or bad, they're always lessons for us. A couple of weeks ago, we went through quite a storm. But soon after that storm, people were already asking the questions, how would you prepare differently? What did you learn from the experience that will help you prepare for the next one? Lessons. Why do we ask these questions? Because there's always a tomorrow coming. Whenever I say that in my head, I go into Annie. Tomorrow, tomorrow. I can't help it. I'm sorry. But there's always that other chance for us to get better at this thing called life. There's always a tomorrow coming. The tomorrow offers us the opportunity to learn, the opportunity to grow and start fresh, to do life better so that we can show the glory of God out there. Now, our story this morning really starts back in Genesis 12, when God first calls Abram to leave his land, leave his family, and go. And he calls him towards Canaan. And the Lord appears to Abram, and he tells him, I will give this land to your descendants. That's really where our story starts. But then the Israelites go through a whole bunch of stuff. They've been slaves for 400 years in Egypt. And God heard their cries, so he sent Moses to free them, to lead them to the promised land. So the ten plagues happen, they're released from Egypt, they take off, they get stopped right at the Red Sea. And they think, oh, what are we going to do now? It's the end, why didn't we leave? Why did we leave? God steps in, parts the water, and they go through on dry land. But then in their journey towards the promised land, the Israelites just continue to whine and whine. But every time God meets their needs, every time. And then we first meet Joshua. He's a commander in a battle against the Amalekites in Exodus 17. If you remember, we studied that a couple weeks ago when we were studying Jehovah Nissi in God's names. Moses told Joshua to go and choose some men to go out and fight. If you remember, Moses went to the top of the mountain, and every time he raised the staff of God, 
Joshua and the Israelites were winning. But every time he dropped that staff of God and he lowered his arms, the Israelites were losing. And so Aaron and her, they come alongside Moses. They hold his arms up. And the Israelites had the victory. And then we see Joshua again in Exodus 33. He's announced as Moses' assistant. When Moses would return to the camp in verse 11. But his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Joshua was one of the 12 spies that Moses sent into the land. And he was the one that came back with Caleb with a positive report. In Numbers 14, this is what he said to them. The land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into the land. A land flowing with milk and honey. And he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land. Because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But if you remember, it was the other ten spies that said, Oh no, they're going to devour us. And they struck fear in the faith of the people. They had no faith in God at that moment. And so God says, you're not going in. Your faith in me is lost. Now you can wander around for 40 years. Ten, four years for every spy that gave a negative report. Forty years. And so here we are at this crucial moment in Joshua in the Israelites' history. Long time in the waiting. Moses has died. The leader that they looked up to is no longer with them. And Joshua is faced with leading the people into the promised land. He's following in the footsteps of the greatest leader the Israelites knew. Deuteronomy 34 says this of Moses. Since then no prophet, prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face who did all those signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do in Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his officials, to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. Now Joshua is being called to lead God's people, following in those footsteps. Those are some big shoes to have to fill. I think he's fully aware of how difficult the Israelites are as well. That's a big task. Now, the text doesn't tell us how Joshua was feeling. But based on God's response to him, we can get a sense that Joshua was in need of some strength, maybe in need of some courage at this point. In the first nine verses of our text this morning, God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous three different times. And each time, he says it more intensely than the previous. In verse 6, it's, be strong and courageous, Joshua. Then in verse 7, be strong and very courageous. Then in verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. Wait a minute, though. Joshua is our hero. 
Didn't we just, he, all that stuff he just saw with the Israelites. How could he not, how could he now need that strength? How could he now need courage? He was the one who told Moses and the Israelites to take the land 40 years ago. Aren't our heroes supposed to be heroes? They're not supposed to be afraid. They're supposed to just have that courage, aren't they? What's he so afraid of? He's not supposed to be weak. You see, we have to not miss the importance of this exchange between Joshua and God. Because the people in Scripture are real. They aren't just stories of heroes. These are stories of real people with real issues like me and you. Look at all the heroes of faith. Moses was a murderer before he became a deliverer. Jacob was a liar and a manipulator before he became the father of the 12 tribes. Abraham gave his wife away twice. David was an adulterer and a murderer. Paul was a religious terrorist. And Peter was hard-headed and had a temper. But we need to see these heroes presented in all their weakness, in all their humanness, because we need to be reminded that we all fall short of God. And we all have skeletons in our closet. Because whenever you deal with humans, there are going to be skeletons. And as we watch God bring solutions to their problems, we see God bring solutions to our problems. Now, Joshua was fearful. Joshua was doubtful. He was weakened. He needed strength and he needed courage. I'm sure each of you has had a task at some point in your life, some situation, some circumstance that seemed monumental, too big, too scary, too overwhelming, and you needed strength and encouragement. When Hurricane Irma was barreling towards us, I'm sure every one of you had that thought, how am I going to protect my family? How am I going to get through this storm? What am I going to do? Maybe you're in the middle of a storm right now that's causing you to be afraid, that's causing you to doubt. But you're not alone in your struggle. Your struggle is not unique to you. Someone somewhere has been in that same situation. And that's what Joshua's story shows us. When God's children are in need, he responds. We need to note, you know, it's not Joshua who starts this conversation. It's God who comes to Joshua with the strength. It's God who comes to Joshua with the encouragement. He knew what he needed before he even asked. Verse 2, God says, Moses, my servant, is dead. That's pretty, pretty blunt. A new day is here. It's time to look ahead. The old is gone. You can't live here in the past anymore. Whatever it is that has changed you, whatever it is that has scarred you and defined so much of who you are, 
Put it in the past. Put it behind you. You cannot be a slave to your past. Whatever you did, whatever happened to you, Jesus will set you free. It's time to move forward. I have plans for you, says the Lord. God's miracle and purpose is waiting ahead of us, not behind us. And God continues, Now then, you and all these people, get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them. So God reminds them again of his promise and his blessings. He promises them strength. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. He gives them a promise of victory and success. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. And he gives them a promise of his presence. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors. You see, the message for followers of Christ today is much the same. We have the promise of strength as God guides us, as he provides for us. We're promised victory and success, but not success by the world's standards, by God's definition of success. We have the promise of God's presence through the Holy Spirit. That means that God is already in our tomorrows. He is already holding out something for us at the beginning of every new day. He says to us, I have a new height for you. I have a new blessing for you. I have a new challenge for you to meet today. But you need to trust and obey. We've talked a lot about how the Christian life is not an easy one. It's not a walk in the park. If it was, God wouldn't have had to remind us to be strong and courageous. If it was easy to love our neighbors, we would. If it was easy to forgive, we would. If it was easy to maintain a positive attitude, we would. But sometimes doing the right thing is scary. It's intimidating. Yet God says, do it anyway and be strong and courageous. But what does it mean to be strong in the Lord? What does that mean? Because it's not something, you know, we can't just wish ourselves to be strong. We don't wish it into reality. Our strength actually flows out of our obedience to the Lord. Deuteronomy 11 said, Therefore, be careful to obey every command I am giving you today, so you may have strength to go in and take over the land that you are about to enter. Obey every command I am giving you today, so you may have strength. That's why God reminds Joshua in verse 7, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right 
or to the left so you may be successful wherever you go. Obedience matters, but so does our faith in God's word. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. We must know his word. We must trust his word. You see, when we give the Bible priority in our lives and immerse ourselves in it, we gain a perspective that sets us apart from the secular world. Jay and I had an experience this week where we had a friend contact us in kind of a, a group chat, and she was sharing a difficult situation that she was in. And she just kind of laid it there for all of us. And Jay responded with a kind word. I responded with a kind word, let her know that we were praying for her. We were there for her. We had, you know, support for her. And some of our other friends said, oh, well, let us know how it goes. Or let us know, you know, if you need anything, we're here. And so on and so on. And each friend just kind of you know, added, you know, just maybe a kind word, oh, thinking of you. Sending positive thoughts. Sending, sending positive vibes your way. But the only two people that she responded back to were Jay and I, privately. She sent it back. She said, thank you for your kind words. Thank you for your prayers. I need them terribly in this moment. When we immerse ourselves in the word, we respond differently than the rest of the world. And people out there recognize it. When we focus on God, when we seek him first, and we meditate on his word, that's when we're ready. And when we're ready, we know we have to act. We know we have to do something. You see, by ready, we might say we're strong and courageous. And so when he calls, when he calls, we know we have to act. It's not enough to sit on our blessed assurances in these pews and just listen to the word that comes by us. Oh, the preacher delivered a great word today. Did you hear it? And then you go home and you go back to day-to-day stuff. That's not enough. We have to live it. We have to be strong and courageous when we leave this place 24-7. So we're out there where we work, where we live, where we shop. The people see a difference. Otherwise, why bother? Why did Jesus go to the cross? What's the point? So we could hold it tight? So we could all huddle in here on Sunday morning and say, yeah, you? That's not what this is for. That's not what this is about. It's about the people that are out there that don't know. You know, Debbie and I, every Monday, we are so committed to reaching out to this community. God has given us a passion to be here. 
And so every Monday, we go to the Denny's over there on the corner. And we're like best friends now with the manager and the waitresses. And when they see us come in, they're, oh, you're back. We missed you. You, you weren't here last week. Oh, well, yeah, the hurricane, you know, we weren't able to get here. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Do you think that they see a difference in the fact that we treat them better than some of the other patrons? You know, Ken comes up to us, the manager. He comes up to us every time. Oh, I so appreciate that you ladies come in here. You treat us so nicely when you're here. That's being immersed in the word. And that's when God calls you. You're ready to be strong and courageous. And you go out there and you do something. That's what it means. You see, the Israelites had been talking about this promised land for hundreds and hundreds of years. And now they're at a turning point again. What God is telling Joshua, with your faith in my promises, with your knowledge in my word, put together with your obedience, you will have victory. What Joshua had to do was dump his doubts. And so do we. Because fear robs our strength. And discouragement robs our courage. You know, we need courage to stand up to others. But we also need courage to stand up to ourselves. We need to say no to fear. We need to say no to the doubts that try to cripple us. We need to say no to apathy. We need to resist selfishness. We need to fight against laziness. We need to control our wandering thoughts that tried to distract us. We need to learn to grab a hold of the plans that are greater than our own. And we need to learn to embrace God's goals and plans for our tomorrows. Winston Churchill said, Fear is a reaction. Courage is a decision. We choose to be courageous when we're convinced that something is more important than our fear. Strength and courage come from knowing that we have been put here by God. You have a purpose in the kingdom. We need to remember that God is for us. We need to remember that God is on our side. That he's rooting for us and he's in the corner cheering for us. And then so after Joshua hears from God, and after he hears God's word of encouragement, he does something. In verse 10, there's a shift in the conversation. Now Joshua is talking back to the Israelites. And he tells them, get ready. He's no longer fearful. He's dumped the doubts. And he's ready to move forward. He gives them directions, and he reminds them of God's promises. He reminds them of their purpose in God's plan. Joshua had become strong and courageous in his obedience. And now the Israelites are encouraged as well. They're unified in their vision and in their commitment to take the land as God commanded. Very different than the Israelites we saw 40 years ago. 
This is a group with renewed purpose. They're excited and they're anticipating what God has for them. Listen to what they say to Joshua in verse 18. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them will be put to death. That is an energized group. Remember, 40 years ago, they were struck with fear. No, we can't do it. We can't go in. And now they're saying, Joshua, if anyone stops us, may their death be what happens. Because we are a group that's unified. We see God's plan. We see what he wants to do. And we're not going to stop. They are now ready to accept God's blessing. And they say to Joshua, be strong and courageous. That's one of the best verses. Do we understand how exciting that is for the Israelites? They're changing heart. See, as we continue our study in the book of Joshua, we're going to discover that God prepares us for our tomorrows. We may be battling enemies externally and internally, and they're going to appear overwhelming. But we need the same strength and courage that God gave to Joshua. And to grasp it, we need to be filled with God's word. We need to be filled up with his spirit and in his presence. Like Joshua, we need to believe what we hear from God. And then we need to act on that faith without hesitation, with courage. Joshua allowed God to use his natural talents to do supernatural things. It wasn't based on superior military strategy because who thinks to conquer a city by blowing a trumpet? Nobody. It was all about Joshua trusting in the power, in the promises of God. This works for us in our individual lives, but it also works in the life of the body of Christ. We see that expressed in the Israelites' reaction to Joshua's encouragement from God. What we're going to discover is that Joshua and the Israelites were facing overwhelming odds. They didn't have chariots. They didn't have good weaponry or superior training against an army of gigantic size. You know, Sawgrass has faced some overwhelming odds, too. We're a small group. We've been wandering around for some time now. But just as God told Joshua to step out and he would be there, God told us, you're going to Hollywood. We said, what, Lord? We've been over there in that area for 25 years. Not quite 40. 25 is still a long time. But we did it. We said, okay, Lord, we're going to act in faith. We're going to act in obedience because you're telling us, and we trust your word. And as we stepped out and trusted him, he's provided all that we've needed. Like Joshua, as we trust in God's promises, as we seek him first in all things, as we respond in obedience, we will never have to worry about venturing without God without his power around us. We have the same assurance 
that Joshua had. And with God, we are unstoppable. We can count on his unfailing presence and on his unfailing power. And what we're going to discover as we go through Joshua over the next several weeks is that it's God's might that we should be measuring our expectations with. Not our little brains. But what does God have in store for us in Hollywood? Because I'm telling you now, he is preparing us for a blessing. I know it. He's told me. And, and I'm standing here sharing it with you. I have it. I'm my prayer time. I have it written in my journal. He says, I have been preparing you for a blessing. And it is coming. Just as it was coming for Joshua in his strength. In, in his obedience. Church, we've been obedient. We are trusting in him and his power to do the unstoppable, unthinkable things. Because there's a community out there that needs Jesus. There's a community out there that needs to know they matter, that needs to know that they are loved by a father. And we have that message. And God's given us the ability to get out there and do it. We just have to be obedient. And that blessing is coming our way. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. I'm excited. The blessing is coming. Heavenly Father, oh, your word is, is incredible, Father. Oh, Joshua is such an example for us, Lord. Even in his faults, even in his failings and weakness, Lord. You walked with him. You encouraged him. You knew what he needed. And you were there to provide it. I don't know all the battles that are taking place in the lives in this place this morning, Lord. But you do. I ask, Father, that you, you just give them what they need. Give them that sign that you're walking with them. Give them that little affirmation that they're on the right path, that they're not going to the left or the right, that they're following in your footsteps, Lord. And Father, help us to continue to be strong and courageous as you open doors for ministry here for us in Hollywood, Lord. May we be obedient to follow. May we be obedient to step through those doors. And may you be glorified in all things, in all words, in all actions, Father. May it all point back to you. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.